Amen. Going to start a new, going to be preaching a few sermons out of Nehemiah. I love the book in the Old Testament. I don't know how many of y'all ever read out of Nehemiah, but it's a great book for, for our individual lives and for our church. And, and today's having a Nehemiah heart. Having a Nehemiah heart this morning. I'm going to go ahead and get started because i got a lot to preach in a short time to get there. Amen. Let's all stand this morning as we go to the book of Nehemiah. I'm going to read 11 verses out of Nehemiah. Uh, we're going to be doing three or four sermons through the book of Nehemiah in the next few weeks. It's on leadership. A lot of it is on leadership, how God raised up Nehemiah to be a leader. And you may be sitting there today saying, Brother George, I'm, I'm not a leader. You know, I, I don't lead. We all lead someone, amen? Either whether I don't care if we're at school, on the job, in the home, we all lead somebody. And there's always been a saying that's always true, leaders aren't born, they're made. I've seen God raise up leaders in this church. And He always does it in the, in the places you don't seem to, that He'll raise them up. Or the person less likely. Because it's all about our hearts. You got If God's going to raise you up to, to walk with Him in a relationship and, and you're going to lead other people, whether it's your family or in this church or on your job and even in college, Zach, it doesn't matter where we're at. If we're going to lead for the Lord, God's first got to do a work in us. Before He can do great things around us, He's got to do great things in us. And I just believe that this morning, that He's got to do great things inside of your heart and my heart to see us lead, whether it's people or our families, and, and, and see everyone get closer to God and actually see revival, it starts with just a, a normal person here. Amen. This man was a cupbearer. He wasn't nothing special. And I want to say that this morning, God is looking at our hearts. You have that verse in teen, uh, Michelle in Second Chronicles chapter 16. I, I love this verse. In verse 9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro, Throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. And that's what God is looking for today. He's looking for hearts that are committed, that are loyal to him. That Listen, it doesn't matter what your education is. It doesn't matter what your past is. God says, if you've got the right heart, I'll, I'll use you in a mighty way. And in every great move of God, whether it's been in church houses or out in tent revivals, in countries or in streets, a great move of God first started in a person's heart. Billy Graham didn't turn into preaching to millions of people in two nights. It started first out in North Carolina, falling to his face out on the ground, out in his yard, saying, Lord, I don't understand all this book. I wish I could understand more of it, Lord. I can't preach it like you want, but Lord, I give you my heart here tonight. Use me to be a vessel for you. Amen. That's all God is looking for today. That's all God's asking for us is to make ourselves available. Amen. It doesn't matter how much township, God will take what you have and magnify it. Amen. I look across our church. I'm going to keep you all standing. Is that all right? I look across our church just in the last five years of God that Leaders that God has raised up and used in this church. People that wasn't going here five years ago. I look around and I see... I'm not going to go to naming off because I'll leave someone out and somebody will be mad at the preacher. <laughs> but I can look around at different ministries from our children to our music, to our youth, to this, to the women, to here, to the men. Even two years ago, 
Three years ago, these people wasn't even here, wasn't even leading, and look where God, but look at the people that come on board. <laughs> and God used them to, see, we're all helping each other grow, whether we know it or not. I got to get, to, I got to say prayers so we can get to preaching. Let me read this in Nehemiah. I may be here more than three weeks because our church needs this. We need more leaders in our church. Amen. See, I, now listen guys, church is not always about what we get. Amen. It's about what do we give. Amen. And that's the problem with a lot of people in church today. I want the preacher to do this for me, or this for this, or the church don't give us here, we're not coming back. That's the attitude of the Christian, American Christians today. And God says, I'm, I'm searching to and fro. I'm looking everywhere in this congregation today for a heart that's loyal to me, and I'll use that person. That's not out to get what he can give, but he's out to give me my heart, and I'm going to use that little David. I'm going to use that Nehemiah. I'm going to use that Joshua. That's what God's looking for in this church building today. Amen? Look at Nehemiah. It says, the words of Nehemiah. The son of Halakai. It came to pass in the month of, of Chelsevi, in the and that was around November to December is when this time is, in November, December. It says, In the twentieth year I was in Shushan, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came, and I believe it was one of his blood kin, that come to Nehemiah and brought this news to him. He came with some men from Judah, which was about 750 miles away. And they asked, and here's what Nehemiah asked him in verse 2. I asked, Nehemiah said, them concerning the Jews who had escaped and survived the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. So basically what Nehemiah says when he comes in, he sees one of his kinfolks and some other guys from Judah. He's a, he's, he's a cupbearer for him. He says, what is, uh, how's, how's Jerusalem, God's city, how's it doing? And they had bad news. It said, they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the providence are in great distress and reproach. The walls of Jerusalem are broken down and the gates, all the gates have been burned with fire. Now look at, the, look at verse 4. Here's a change. It says, so it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, I pray God, the God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. Please let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open that we may that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now day and night. For the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel. And I love this part. Nehemiah said, There's a, he could have said, they're a bunch of sinners. Forgive them, Lord. But look what he said. And this is how we need to pray as leaders. He says, which we have sinned against you, both my father's house and I have sinned. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today and for this time to be in your house, Lord. I pray that, Lord, these next few weeks you'll use this word that you'll... Your eyes are already searching through this church body. To the hearts that are standing here today, you are looking for a place where you can dwell and raise up someone. And just use them for your honor and glory, for your kingdom work. It's not about so much about this church. You'll use them through this church. But Lord, we, we need to look at a bigger perspective of your kingdom. And Lord, you're looking for someone that's just loyal to you. Don't mean we're perfect. But we're loyal to you. And Lord, I pray you'd raise up leaders in the home. 
Godly leaders, Lord, we know where our nation is. We need so many godly leaders in our nation. But Lord, I pray that you would speak to us in the next few weeks on Nehemiah. Lord, give us the characteristics of Nehemiah in our own house, and our own church. And we'll just give you the praise. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now you can be seated. I have you stand so long so you can sit for a lot longer. Amen. I was reading a, a story this week about, about a, a group that was going over to Palestine and Israel. And they were going over to view it and going on some tour guides around Israel and Palestine. And while they were on the way there, the guide said, now when we get over here, there's going to be, you're going to see a lot of shepherds. In the eastern part here, there's, we have shepherds that lead their sheep. And he said, when you see a, see a shepherd and, and the sheep just follow him, and you're going to be asking and wondering why do they follow And they said, every sheep knows their shepherd's voice. And so they follow him. There's a verse in that in John 10, 10. We wrote songs about it. But he said, they're going to know their voice. And so as they flew down and they were doing their tour and they looked out there and there was about 20 sheep and they were leading and the guy was following behind them. And it they, they just blew their mind. They couldn't understand why. And so one of the guys went up to the shepherd. He said, on the way over here, the tourist uh, guide told us that you guys lead and the sheep follow. Why is the sheep leading you and you're following the sheep? He said, well, that's, that is true. Shepherds do lead their sheep and they do know their voice. But he said, I'm not a shepherd. I'm the butcher. <laughs> <laughs> Sheep do lead. Sheep do follow by, listen, you know exactly when it's God's voice. Because we are sheep. In the Bible, we are, it calls God's people sheep. It is called, Jesus Christ has been called the Lamb of God. That has been led out to the slaughter. That died on the cross for our sins. But he said, that my sheep will know my voice. You don't have no problem knowing when it's God's voice. Listen, we make this thing about God's voice being, oh, is it God? Is God really wanting me to do this? The first step into finding our, our, our calling and being a leader is we can we got to do more than just hear the voice of God. I believe God speaks to everybody in here probably quite a few times during the week. If you're honestly seeking after God and you're coming to church and you're in your Bible... Your heart is loyal to Him. Now listen, don't expect to hear God if you hadn't opened your Bible up, but every Sunday when we're in here. Don't say, well, Brother George, He's not speaking. I don't know what's wrong. He's not going to speak if all we do is open our Bibles up one time during the week. And these 11 verses I read, if that's the only... That's not a loyal heart. He got quiet again. I love it. I love it when I preach quiet sermons and it's quiet. Boy, sometimes it's bought. Oh, hallelujah, preach it, George. Preach it, preach it. But when it gets quiet, that means the Holy Spirit is moving and He's searching for a loyal heart. But when we're actively loyal to God and we're in God's Word, He's going to speak to us during the week. Now, the, here's what I've run into in my walk with God is I hear God's voice a lot. I just don't always step out and respond to Him like I should. The first thing into being a leader is there's got to be a revelation from God. 
If God's going to get us to do anything, you started everything that you got started, whether you work it, whether you were ministering in this church, whether you're doing ministry outside of this church, God got a hold of your heart. He, he said, there's a person I'm looking for. I've been scanning. They've been loyal. They're getting their hearts right. They're getting their walk right with me. I'm fixing to use them as a leader. I'm fixing to use them as to lead their family to church and make a difference in their own marriage. I'm fixing to use this man or this woman right here. And it always starts, everyone in here, that when you got stepped up into ministry, it started from a revelation that God put. It may have come from this word. It, it may have come from His voice. It may have come from a circumstance. It may have come from friends. But you got a revelation that God wanted you to do this. And it usually starts, go back to that, Michelle, in, in chapter 1. I want to go through this because this is very important of how God called. I don't think the church is getting this today. There's a lot of people sitting out in our churches today that should be leaders. Amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> you say, well, I'm just not made to stand up there and preach like you, brother. I'm not asking you to be an upfronter. You can be a leader in the home and nobody knows about it. Amen. You can be a leader on your job. You can be a leader in your school. Listen, when I say leader, don't mean you're walking around with your Bible in your hand on your job preaching like John the Baptist. Repent! I don't, I'm not saying you're wearing camel's hair and eating honey and locusts. But you're just a quiet leader that are leading your family into the grace of God. You may not be outspoken. But remember, leaders are made, they're not born. It says the words of Nehemiah, the words come to him. Here, here the word of Nehemiah come to him, and, and, and this always gets us going. This is the first part of our God speaking to us and revealing things to us is he asked, how's everything going back to his brother or to his kin folks here? He said, how is Jerusalem doing? How's everybody living back in Jerusalem? He said, oh, Nehemiah, have you not heard? It's not built. We've tried to build it twice in the last 80 years and we've failed. He said, we are getting robbed. The people are poor in Jerusalem. God's people are living like beggars. And Nehemiah could have very well said right then, who cares? I've got it made right here. I am a cupbearer. A cupbearer. Now, to me, a cupbearer wouldn't be a great job. But listen, a cupbearer tasted everything before the king tasted it. He was usually a foreigner. It usually wasn't a close friend or it was a foreigner. And, and Nehemiah being a Jew, turned around and, and got put in that position. And so here's what he would do. A cupbearer's job was before the, before the wine or the, the Kool-Aid or the, or the tea came through, he would take that glass of tea and drink it. And the king would sit there and say, if he falls out, I'm not, I'm not drinking it. If he's good, then I'm going to pour me a glass. The steak come through. Nehemiah cut off the biggest piece of nice T-bone. He had taste of it. It's good, king. You're all good to go. The thing about Nehemiah and a cupbearer, it was a great job. You had the best clothes. You drove the best Mustang chariots around. <laughs> you lived in a condo. I mean, you had royalty. But the problem with being a cupbearer is you could go from cupbearer to needing a pallbearer in about five minutes. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the only drawback on being a cupbearer. You can wake up today and say, I'm going to taste something for the king. But see, he had it comfortable. 
And, and his life was comfortable. He was, everything, listen, everything was going good for Nehemiah. It wasn't that Nehemiah was in bad shape. He didn't have a car wreck, was laying in the hospital and said, I know I'm out of the will of God. Things are going great for this man. He, he's eating the finest food, wearing the best clothes, got the best cars, got the nicest house. And on top of all that, the Bible said that he was handsome. That was another qualification to be a cupbearer. You had to be handsome. And so he fit all this. Things were going good. So he's just, and this is how God works in normal, everyday life. He just nonchalantly says, How's my aunt and uncle and, my, and all them doing back in Jerusalem? How, how are they doing? And then he turned right around and his brother said, Have you not heard? They're busted, they're broke, they're begging, they're, 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 they're going outside the city. Some of them are outside the city camping, just trying to stay safe. People are coming in raiding and robbing what we have, raping the women. It's just terrible. It's, it's, it's like Chicago crime in Jerusalem. And he says, oh, really? And I, I think he said, oh, I think really at first, the way a lot, I think he said, mm, they don't say, mm, that's bad. That's bad. I mean, a lot of us read it in the bulletin and say, oh, them poor people. I'll pray for them. Or we see something on TV, oh, that poor family. And he kind of went on with his business. But as he went on, this was the starting process. Is He didn't know, but when he asked, how is my family doing? There was God was kicking off to, to... God was fixing to raise up a godly man to lead these people and build a wall of Jerusalem in 52 days. It'd be like trying to build... Four of these churches, or five of them, in 52 days. I don't think we, you think we could do it? It'd be day and night. They did, they built it in 52 days, and it wasn't just because they were good carpenters. God spoke to him and said, so it was when I heard these words, I sat down, and here it is, I wept and mourned for many days. The process of God making a leader's heart inside of you is he'll get you to ask questions. And get them thoughts going in your heart. But God will move more from just asking questions to breaking our hearts. That's the first step of God creating and revealing a, a leader, whether it's in the family, the church, on the job. He'll break your heart over a situation. God broke every man and woman in the Bible that was a great leader. He broke their heart and they had compassion about that situation. Them people. Moses. He gave God a lot of excuses, but he said God broke his heart to love them people that were in bondage. My people are being in bondage and being slaves. When's the last time? When's the last time that you heard something in church, you read something in the paper, and it broke your heart enough that you sat down and cried about it? Amen? Where are we at in our church on ministry? I know a few leaders in this church that I can, they'll go talk to me about their ministry and about different things and, and, and families that's in their ministry and they'll be crying for long. They'll just start crying and say, Brother George, I just, I just love them so much. I just love doing this and I, it just breaks my heart to see. Why do you think Jerry and Tanya are in the adoption or the, the, the uh, foster care? When they heard that story, God put, listen, they're, where they're at today, it all started off with a revelation. They were asked a question, God revealed it in their heart. But it even started before that, they will lull to God before God ever started using them. It's 
got to start off with commitment to Jesus. And then it goes on to revelation. Then you start asking questions. And I guarantee you they start asking questions about to each other about, oh, it started off, oh, I just, breaks my heart to see them kids with the way their parents treat them. And it went from there to the next step till it energized him to go take classes for nine weeks. I've been there, I know. Wasn't it nine? Nine weeks and then were the longest nine weeks of my life. I mean, I was bobbing, about to fall asleep. She didn't preach like me, and I was about to go to sleep. I got ADD, and you got to keep my attention. And for that nine weeks, they went through all that. They paid the price to do that, to get where they're at today, so God could use them to bless somebody else. Who knows? I was thinking about this the other day. Of all the kids they've got, it's very hard. You're not going to, probably more than likely, not going to get a little angel. (laughs) Amen? Because if you're in foster care, something has happened to you, your parents has treated you, it's amazing what these parents do to these kids. From abusing them to burning them to, oh, leave them, lock them in a room. And go off and go to town for six hours? I couldn't imagine that. But God uses them situations to break Jerry in their heart so they will step up and reveal to them and get the education and the classes they need so God can get them where He can use them for a vessel. God does the same way with each one of us and the things that we do in this church. He, he gets you, you're loyal to Him and, and God starts revealing Himself to you and, and, and He breaks your heart over a situation. Listen, it's not very good. If you don't like teens, you don't need to be a teen leader. If you don't like little kids, you don't need in children's ministry. I just can't stand kids. They just get on my nerves. Well, more than likely, God's not breaking your heart for that situation. Amen? Amen. What about the older people? If you can't stand being around older people, probably not your job to lead and teach them. But see, this is how God brings up leaders in this church. He's got children's ministry. He's got their own ministry outside the church. He's got... Tanya, besides that, is doing finances. And isn't it amazing how God wants somebody to do finances? She's, got, she's a math teacher. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> isn't it amazing how God uses our abilities and turns them in and uses them for His supernatural power? So if you don't like all of that stuff, then, but God will use you and reveal where God, where is God breaking your heart at today? Let me even get down a little closer in this church body. Where is God breaking your heart for this church body at? There's needs in this church. Every week we talk about them. Some people saying, boy, I would just... Man, Brother George, my heart is broke for them people that are hungry that, that just come down and get our food. Well, you know what? You need to go from hearing to stepping out. I love how some people in church want God to grab them and say, this is God, I'm calling you, Paul, come on. I really think it would... You can sit back down, Paul, you follow me all over, I'll wear you out. But we actually want God to grab us by the arms and just jerk us up there. Guys, listen, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's knocking and knocking and knocking, but we have got to open that door and step out on the voice of God when the revelation's in our heart. We've got to go to Him. 
He's not going to force you to use your calling. Well, I'm just going to sit here. If God really wants me, He'll uh, split this church in half. And if God really wants me to do this, He will do this. And listen, God will do heaven and earth to get you to use your gift, but He's not going to grab you by the shoulders and drag you. Now, He may allow you to go through a lot of stuff. Because some of us don't, if you're like me, when God was calling me, I wasn't thinking about my calling. I knew that's probably what it was, but I said, I'm not doing that. But God used situations and circumstances and different things to say, i got to get your mind straight. And God will do that today. But Nehemiah, when he heard the news that his, his kinfolks were hurting, it says that he, when he got off work, the people he went and sat down, it says that he wept and cried. I just want to know, when's the last time we've cried over this church? Now I'm being serious. A lot of us come in here and worship. We gone. Preacher handling. Brother George is there. That's what we pay him for. When's the last time you cried and was heartbroken over something that you could do in this church to reach out to somebody? Why? This is how ministry starts in churches. It started with Walt, and I'm using our church a lot because we're here every week, amen? amen. I see it in our church. I, I don't know what other churches do. It started, the food pantry started because Walt got a revelation. God broke his heart about hungry people. And more importantly than just the parents, I, I tell you what really breaks Walt's heart is the kids of them parents that don't have a chance and it's not their fault. That's how he got started with the food pantry. and We're going to talk about it here in a minute, but how he started that and that and where it's at today. Our, 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 just Let's even go back to, and you say, well, God can't use the, our fishing tournament. Something as simple as fishing. How God has raised that up. He had to put a revelation in someone's heart to get that started. And then, God, listen, God's always going to call the people he needs to get that done. I've always wondered many times in this church, someone leaves this church or, or that's why it don't really bother me. You get mad at me and leave, God will replace us with three more. Amen. 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 I know because I've been there 17 years and watched God, Tim. I know when you're not in the, God, in the will of God as a church, you ain't got a chance. But when you get in the will of God, He supplies Everything you need. When we started building this church, we didn't have hardly no... I think Tad was the only carpenter and we about used him up. <laughs> he taught me a few things. <laughs> how to hit my finger. <laughs> I think he did it just to see if I'd say a dirty word. Amen? <laughs> but he taught all of us how to drive nails and a lot of us that couldn't do that to do a lot of this work in here. But then, look how the church has grown. God has added more people with gifts and God had... But, but, you can have the greatest gift in the world, but if God's first got to break your heart before He can open that gift up. And some of us sitting here have a great gift that can be mildly used, but we get into the whiny department. God can't use me. They're so much better than me. I can't never lead like that. I can't do. You're letting the devil use discouragement. And listen, the Bible says that the devil, listen, God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of love and a sound mind. So if you're being told not to use your gift and scared to death, I guarantee you it's not God. God's in the breaking business, not the scaring business. 
He's trying to break your heart to get you in position this morning. He's trying to break this church. I truly believe that. He's trying to break this church so we can do ministry. When Nehemiah heard it, he sat down and he wept. When's the last time we cried on these altars? I'm not saying you did it out in public. When's the last time you cried at home for your ministry or God, something in this ministry, this church, or family and friends that are lost, that does not know Jesus? Maybe they don't even go to church. When's the last time God broke your heart over them? You say, Brother George, why are you preaching this sermon on breaking our Because if God cannot break our hearts, we cannot be a lighthouse in this community. God don't use a church because they're good looks. The Bible says that He uses the foolish things to confound this world. And He'll raise up people in this church that even though you and I say... Or are they stepping up doing that for? They can't do it. Hang on, brother. God's fixing to show you and your pride what He can do with a broken heart. Isn't it amazing how we point fingers and say they can't do that? Just by outer appearance. Now you know how David felt. But God looks at our hearts. He said, it's there. And I'm getting them there. I'm breaking their heart. It says he sat and he wept. Did you know, I was reading a survey this week, and most surveys in church... Y'all listen to this. I better get a big amen out of this one. In most surveys they took across the church in America, women in the church house are more concerned about the spiritual issues than the men are. I told you I'd get one. Is that not true? If we took it across the board in most churches, women are the ones that are concerned with the spiritual issues. But I am thankful that God is trying to change that in this church. When you can have 60 or 65 men meeting on Tuesday night, hey, God is trying to raise up some men to be leaders in this church. You say, well, I just go there, Brother George. I was going because I like that good wild game cooking and fish and that gumbo Chad makes. God's using gumbo to break your heart. (laughs) He's using it to break your heart. That's why I say there's nothing wrong with the church using stuff to get people into the ministry in the church. Well, we just don't believe in cooking and doing it. I had a guy tell me a while back in our men's ministry. (laughs) He goes to another church. He says, well, we don't believe. We're not going to cook and do stuff like that and give away them prizes like y'all give to get them to come to church. Folks, I would give away. You know what, Levi? I would give away another deer camera. (laughs) I'd give away a pocket knife down there to keep someone from dying and going to hell. Amen. Amen. What is the cost of a $5 pocket knife? that we give away at them prizes to see these men and get their families in church and get dedicated and become that's the best five dollars we'll ever spend well you just need to use the truth well we are but sometimes you gotta bait the hook that's right amen the devil's baiting the hook on you every day look what you're chasing and a lot of us not godly that's why I have no problem with raffling off guns and, and doing this. And, and, and it's all for the honor and glory of God. Amen. Some of us need to throw them old wine skins out of the way and get some new wine put in them. Amen? And a new bag. <laughs> Amen. I couldn't believe that. And I thought to myself, if 
you don't believe, that's okay. If I can keep having 65 and 70 guys and seeing them rise up and, and wanting to plan things and working and do things in the church, hey, that's, we're going to keep going just the way we're going. God didn't call me to be like another church. If y'all don't want to do that, keep your five. And that's not being mean. But God's got to eventually, He uses that. Then He breaks the men's heart. Then they start getting dedicated. And what God is doing this whole time is He's trying to grow them into the calling that He's got waiting for them. He's trying to grow them up. Then when they get there, He's going to use them. See how important it is to be... There's a lot more to a calling than just coming forward. It started way back when. And some of y'all, God has started way back when on your heart. Nehemiah said, I wept. And here's the second thing he did. I love this. He fasted and prayed. When's the last time you fasted and prayed? God is great. God is good. Let's thank Him for our food. Amen. No. I'm talking about on your knees at the house. In your own secret quiet time. Praying over a need. Whether it's in this church. Whether it's on your job. Whether it's a family member. God used Nehemiah. This is how Nehemiah. He got, if, you, if we don't get this first. I mean I got a lot more sermons on Nehemiah. But if we don't get this first. This morning, is God breaking your heart over your own spiritual walk? Amen? Because listen, guys and moms and dads, don't expect our children to walk for Jesus if our hearts aren't broke. He's got to break us first. Even leaders in this church that do ministry, if your heart's not broken, it's not so much about the gifts that people follow hearts, Randy. <laughs> they they want to see somebody's heart that's real. That's why I love uh, different people in this church, whether it's Jamie or Tina or other ones. Tina about wears me out anyway. <laughs> Amen? Here's what the women did this week. I told Mevlin, you're going to be wore out. Thursday night, Shonda Pierce. Well, Wednesday night, church. Yes. Wednesday night was here at church. Thursday night, they was at Gower Springs, Shonda Pierce. Friday night, they were at Joyce Meyer. Saturday, it's about three. Mevlin got home at three, Joyce Meyer. Turned around, got up this morning, had church. Got turned around tonight, they got Bible study. Tomorrow night, women's group. I said, somebody's going to be tired. It's not going to be the preacher. <laughs> but I'd rather have a church that's busy. You say, well, that's just way too much. Well, don't go to all five of men. But don't talk about the ones that are on fire and want to keep going. I'd rather have a church that's busy doing stuff. You don't have to do everything. Amen. I say this all the time. People think every time the doors is church, and I know I was taught that. I heard my preacher, when the doors of church are open, you need to be there. But apparently back there, <laughs> he didn't have Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, sometimes Friday night, church and Saturday. They met Sunday and Wednesdays. Yes, you need to be there on them appointed days. That's the Lord's day. But don't try to do everything and burn yourself out. Amen? You say, man, this is different preaching. No, this is, I'm trying to get you up and get you on fire to lead your family. If you only went to the Shonda Pierce and didn't go to the Joyce Meyer, don't feel guilty. 
Let me put it this way. Don't feel guilty if somebody made you guilty. If it's God, you need to take that up with Him. <laughs> but don't let people make you feel guilty in this church. Man. I hear it all the time. Well, your wife needs to sit in front and be a preacher's wife. No, you need to sit in back and listen to Jesus. Amen. I've not heard that. Memphis done had it from some people. Well, you need to sit up on front and you need to, you need to be there for your husband. She's there for me. She's in the building. She knows she's been married to me 25 years. She knows ain't nothing going to help George. But God. But Jesus himself. So don't expect her to look like a preacher's wife. I guess, I guess that's where I'm at in my ministry. I'm tired of people pleasing. I want to be me for Jesus. I may not wear a suit and I may not wear a tie and I may not wear the blah, 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 but I love Jesus just as much as you. Amen. There needs to be a whole revival on that. That'd be good. But first, God's got to break your heart. He's got to break this church's heart. I've got to hurry. Man, there's a lot more to this sermon. Before God can do a great thing around you, He's got to do a great thing in you. Before God can change circumstances around you, <laughs> armchair quarterbacks, well, we need, that. we need somebody in church to step up and do this. I love this. I love this. I've done this ever since I've been preaching, Tim. Somebody will meet me and come and say, Brother George, boy, we really got a need in this church. We, we really need to do this and this. I say, okay, well, uh, let's have a meeting in my office next week and I'll set you up. You lead it and get them going. Well, I wasn't talking about that. Then God's not breaking your heart over it. Because when it's real, God will break your heart and you'll, do, you'll get from the hearing stage to the stepping stage. I love it when people come to my office and say, Brother George, listen, you want this God has put this on my heart. I really think we could use this in this church. And I would like to lead this. Boy, I love them people. Amen. They don't want to point people. They want to do it because God put it on their heart. They don't want to let nobody else do it. It's my thing. Amen. It's between me and God. This is a, this is a God thing. And there's something beautiful about a God thing in your heart that nobody can take away from you. Not even the devil himself. It's so beautiful. I can't explain it. When it's a God thing between you and God, it's the most freeing. It's the most refreshing. It's the most powerful thing. You'll be on fire. Why a lot of churches can't be on fire is that's not happening in their hearts, in their church. But when that starts happening, the church will get on fire. The church will be on fire. Because see, it's not just up to me to preach fire. But we've got to listen to Jesus this morning and say, Lord, break us. And that's a hard thing to do for prideful people. Amen. And all of us in here have pride. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. How many of y'all in here have pride? We all have it. But see, here's the thing about being used of God. That's got to be removed before God can reveal to our hearts what He wants us to do. And that comes through brokenness. Every leader in the Bible, every person in the Bible God used, He had to break them. So where are you at with Jesus today? What are you broke over? Everybody in here has got something God has spoke to you about. I tell people all the time, you can't come to this church six months to a year without God trying to reveal something for you to do.
Remember, big doors swing on small hinges. I read it this week and that was good. Big doors swing on small hinges. How do you know? I met that little woman right over there through a small hinge. This is how God works. Nehemiah asked. All Nehemiah did was say, how's my people in Jerusalem? Big doors swing on small hinges. When I met Mevlin, you know what got it all started? Her uncle said, George, and it wasn't Brother George in, believe me, said, George, won't you come over and eat dinner with us tonight? He already had it in his mind. He knew there'd be a little blonde there. They were trying to do some hooking up, you know what I mean? And I said, I don't know, I think I'm going to go hunting tonight. That's what I said. At first I said, I think I'll go hunting. He said, no, really, I, you really need to come over. Her mom and dad's coming, we're going to have a good time, we're going to have... Doris is cooking your favorite. I said, well, okay, I'll be there. I show up. There she is sitting at the bar. 25 years later, she's a pastor's wife. I'm pastor of church. Big things swing on small hinges. If we both knew that day I walked in, see how God uses just, won't you come to our dinner? God used that to open up doors and open up doors and open up doors and open up doors to where we're at today. See how God works? We all want to do the big stuff and the greatest stuff and the biggest in all the eyes of Jesus and all the crowd, whether it's ministry. We all want a big crowd in ministry. Amen? I mean, in our fall festival, we want 600 there. That's just human. But we got to remember that big doors open on small hinges. A lot of our ministry started off where two or three are gathered together in my name. And then it gets bigger. And the next year, Perry Kilby, the first time we did Perry Kilby, 12 boats at Twin Creeks. Remember when we was up at Twin Creeks, Levi? No electricity, no nothing. We was all standing by our boats. We was ready to go. We didn't know what we was doing. 12, 13 boats. And we thought that was, man. I mean, I went the next week talking. Man, we had our first tournament. We blew, man, we had 13 boats. It was great. And now I think we're up in the 70s and 80s in the Perry Kilby eight years later. See, we got to wait. That's called waiting on Jesus. And let God be God because big things open up on small hinges. So if you want to see God this week, it may be something so small to you, but don't overlook it. Don't just blow it off and say, "Ah, I need something bigger than that, God. No! God starts off with big doors open on little hinges. That could be the stepping point of God using you in two years. You'd be amazed what God's doing. Amen? I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe God's been trying to break your heart. Maybe He's just been trying to convict your heart. Maybe you need to be saved. Listen, that's the first step. Don't worry about leading and calling. If you don't know Jesus Christ, none of this other matters. If you've never invited Jesus into your heart, and the blood's been applied to your heart, and I can't pray that for you, this church can't pray that for you, God has to break you first. I seen that last week with John. In my office and getting ready to pray. God broke him. God, every salvation, every person that's been saved had to go through the brokenness. You say, well, I'm not broken when I got saved. Then you might want to check your heart because God breaks you. He breaks you. He strips away all your flesh and all what you can do. And it's all about Jesus, what he did on the cross. And depended on him for eternal life. You may hear want to rededicate your heart. You may want to be baptized. 
You know, there's just nothing wrong with being baptized to rededicate your life. There's a lot of people been doing it. Say, Brother George, I just want to... Walter did it. Walter's been in church for years. But she said, I just need to just be baptized and rededicate my heart back to Jesus. At one point in our walk, listen, we get a lot of stuff stuck to us out there in the world during the week. Amen? I don't know about y'all, but that stuff sticks to you like lint, man. And if we don't get rid of that, we come to church with a bunch of lint people. We got all that stuff through the week stuck to us. And if we don't ask God and go to Him and repent and say, Lord, that's why we all should say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. See, you still got to experience brokenness. Even to be renewed and refreshed. Because when you're broken, you're going to feel that newness of your relationship with Jesus. You're going to be refreshed and excited again. God's asking His church to be broken again. Let's put away some of our stuff and look at nothing but Jesus. Let's get a Nehemiah heart. Amen? And you're going to see, I'm going to be honest with y'all, I've been wanting to preach on this for two weeks anyway. I'll just tell you while I'm here. You know why I think God's been doing great things? We've been having like seven, eight, nine weeks of baptism, just one after another, and, and people going here and great things happening, and Ronnie getting touched, and, and, and other people's getting touched. It's because there's some prayer warriors showing up saying, I care enough to be here at nine. I'm praying for this church. And I believe God's honoring that. And you're going to see that across. Wouldn't it be amazing if we get our whole church broken? From front to back, if we were broken, what God would do in His church, in your life. You just think you've seen God. Heavenly Father, come this morning. Reveal to us in our hearts, Lord. Break our hearts. Draw us back close to You this morning. Back in that relationship with You, Lord, so You can... Lord, Your Word says that You're looking for loyal people. And Lord, if I'm backslidden so far away from you, I cannot hear what you're trying to break me over. Because I'm so far away. First thing I need to do is get myself right. Get back in the right relationship with Jesus Christ and fellowship. Then I can hear your voice. Then I can step out and be broken. There's so many people in, sitting in here. There's, every heart is different than sitting in these seats this morning. There's some hearts that are close to Jesus. There's some hearts sitting in here that are a long ways from Jesus. There's some that hadn't heard His voice in a long time. There's some sitting here that hear Him every day. But we all need to be broken this morning. Heavenly Father, come and break us this morning. Use this, use this church body for Your own and glory. And all God's people said, as we stand quietly, come this morning. Step out right where you're at. Whatever God's laid on your heart, what is God trying to reveal to you? You say, well, Brother George, he, he, he tried about four weeks ago. He spoke to me. But I didn't step out on it. Is God calling you again? Is He calling you back to that brokenness, back to that point to reveal that in your heart this morning? got a family member that needs to be prayed over. They might not even be here today. Won't you come and pray for them? You got someone on your job that's breaking your heart. A ministry in this church. Or a ministry that's not in this church. But God is breaking your heart.